0: Independent, expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Good evening and welcome to your Wednesday. My name is Joe Armstrong. You're listening to Independence Day. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances and inside information without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. Tonight on Independence Day, we are very happy to have Lock and Key. Sean Hoffman's brilliantly facile guitar work and Layla Octawan's hushed vocals form the nucleus of the duo Lock and Key. Their debut album, Jupiter's Guide for Submariners, is a love song to the artistically fertile area just north of downtown Los Angeles. Their ethereal mix of Bossa Nova, folk, and pop perfectly complements the band's beautifully endearing visual artwork. Welcome to Independence Day, Layla and Sean. Thank you. Hello, it's an honor to have the both of you here. Uh, I heard about you through Mr. Ross Florno. I mean, of course, I've known you for a while, and I've met you a couple times up at Tex, which is kind of like the nexus of that whole scene. And uh, I'm happy to hear that you guys are doing music together. So, welcome. It's great to have you.
1: Thank you. Well, We're happy to be, be here.
0: here. So, tell me, tell me about the genesis of of this group. I mean, I read a little bit on the bio or on your website about what, you know, how it got started. Like, what what was the genesis of this this project?
2: Would you like to answer that, Layla?
3: Um, Sean was actually in American Music Club playing the Benny Festival in Spain, and I went out to visit him, and we ended up taking a road trip all the way down to Sicily. And Sean got a guitar at like some beachfront shop and started playing. And that's how it started.
2: Yeah, I just started running in the laundromat, waiting
0: for our, waiting for our clothes in Sorry. France. Yeah. Yeah. Just waiting for our clothes to dry. But what was the seed of the inspiration? Like, was it like, was it the guitar itself, or like, what, what was it that did it? Well, the guitar itself was actually really cool because it was
2: uh, had intonation problems. It, was, it looked like it may have been handmade, but it was really just a junky little steel string guitar, and uh, it was just so fun to play because to actually get it to work was like exciting. And then just the beauty of the area, we really, 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 really love Spain. It's really beautiful, and the people are just great, and the food is unbelievable. And it just, just inspired us to start making this kind of dreamy record. And uh, started there and brought it back to California, which is almost equally as dreamy. Yeah. And, and
3: uh, Sean was, I think, you were thinking about doing an all-instrumental record at the time. So you were doing all these like really lush arrangements on your own before I...
2: Yeah, we just hadn't figured out exactly how you and I were going to work together, and then it just started to click.
0: Yeah, because you guys, I mean, you have history outside of the music realm, you know. She's you my guys, lady. Yeah, she's your, your, she's your, like the big Lebowski says, she's your special lady friend.
2: Yeah, and we just weren't sure if it was going to work. Yeah. And then uh, all of a sudden, we just, we just found the project that yeah. uh, that works. it. It's also I, I've played in bands that were uh, that were all kinds of styles, but I always wanted to do kind of more like feminine kind of pop music and uh-huh. a better avenue than with your girlfriend. So. <laughs> a
0: female, yeah, not just any female. <laughs> so, what? Um, how long had you been dating before you started? Uh, you know, started actually doing music together, because that's a line that you know you kind of choose to cross. I think in a relationship because that kind of brings your relationship into a new level and it also brings other elements into your music like you'd been dating for a while before you started playing music correct yeah it's like yeah.
1: a
3: year I think. well
0: we have been dating for a year but we know each other for a while
3: yeah we were friends for a few years before that and we had actually mount washington you we tried to do when we first met before we started dating um, and then just put it on hold because then you started touring.
2: You know what? It it's like all projects. It took one song, and then it worked. And, yeah. that's, and that's pretty much it. But it was. Uh, it is tough working with your girlfriend because they uh, they don't always want to listen to your input as a, as a <laughs> producer. Yeah, because, because or, they take it personally. Or
0: your input as far as supper.
3: <laughs> I'm very sensitive.
2: Yeah, so it was tough, but then it just started to work. and I and now it's really easy. Layla's a really really easy singer to work with like pitches and an issue for her. and it's just a matter of getting the performance and it easily doesn't take very long. She's just it's easy.
0: She yeah. really she makes it easy. it's not hard because I know like you, Sean. That's so very kind. So some people's uh, you know like Tom like famous working relationships with like girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife, et cetera, in the music business. Tom Waits works with his wife, Kathleen Brennan, and it's very, very fruitful. Um, you know, I don't know if you're a Tom Waits fan, but they, you know, she's been his, they've written together since the mid eighties and it's great. And his, his philosophy is, you know, when people ask him what he would answer the question I just asked and, and he would say, um, you know, I wash you dry, which is kind of like the way that they work together in like every facet of their life. And, you know, Buddy and Julie Miller, you know, he Buddy's a great guitar player in Band of Joy, works with Robert Plant, Alison Krauss. He's like, who's who guitar player in Nashville nationally now. And, uh. And they, you know, they're married. They've been married for quite a while. They do records together. They do records apart. And I always wonder with them is, you know, Buddy works with Lou Harris. Buddy works with Patty Griffin. Buddy works with all these other, like, really great and great female singers. And I, that's, like, I wonder if that's, like, the, the point where they've kind of – I mean, it seems like they, it must be a good relationship, but maybe they pick her. Because if, if you're Buddy's wife and he's, like, moonlighting with, <laughs> you know, on you with Lou Harris – even as great a singer as Julie Miller is, it might make you feel a little bit jealous maybe. You know, we have
2: a, I don't think we've run into that problem because I do work with some girls. I tend to work with girls when I'm producing. I think that yeah. they, uh, I just work better with girls. There's no competition, no male competition. Yeah. I don't think it's bothered, Lila. We just, we do stuff that's so different than anybody's
0: material that it's just, I don't even know
2: there's no one out there doing anything, anything similar, so I, I don't think yeah. there's, there's any area to get jealous. Or
0: and Sean, you're, I you're—I mean—you're a full-time musician. You produce, you write, you do. Tell, tell us a little bit about the, all the different things you do, you know, to earn a living at music full time, because that's kind of hard to do for for a lot of people. Well, I moved to Los
2: Angeles in the uh, late '90s. What's and, what's your hometown? Well, I'm originally from Texas, but I'm a military kid. I lived all over, and I I'd come from the East Coast. I went to school in Boston and spent a little time in New York when I first came out to Los Angeles, it was a really weird scene here. It was kind of dead. What and year was this? Or this would be about, about 96, 97. Okay. It was just a really strange. And when I got out here, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to get into television music. So I got into scoring and and got into just doing music for music libraries and stuff like that. And just, just music for television. And I did that for many years. And it wasn't until uh, Bedroom Walls was the first band that uh, that asked me to come play with them they got me out of out of doing that music full time and then i started really getting into playing in bands so it just took me a took me a little while to get motivated to play with bands so yeah. i have a career as a commercial musician which a lot of musicians are wondering how they can get into and i started that way and then and then got into being in bands again later on yeah as the scene kind of got healthier and i was
0: seeing a lot of bands that i liked and i was meeting a lot of interesting people yeah it's that's definitely. I know a lot of people who work in the business in different facets, and it's kind of, it's. I don't want us to say it's hard because that's too simplistic to say. But you know, so many people are trying to break in from so many different angles. It's like it's like an egg with like a million sperm around it, all trying to <laughs> well, find what you their way, forget way is, in. Is all it's the skills. craziest metaphor I could think of. But <laughs> it it's so. <laughs> apt.
2: Well, there's so many skills that you learn doing commercial music. Like I know how to program break beats and jo- you know, jungle yeah. beats and all this kind of stuff. And that stuff, you know, people laugh at it. But it's hard. <laughs> it right. really is. And it gets you paid. Absolutely does. And obviously it doesn't pay as much nowadays as that stuff has become more stock. But it, I have a lot of abilities that, that you, you realize that you pick up over time. And it helps you become a producer and, and be able to make music of all types. And it, it's hard to break into commercial music later. It really is. But, you know, like anything, it's really about being social. It's all about social relationships and meeting people, people that will
0: trust to put you in the position. Yeah. I hate to use the N-word, but it's like networking is key. You Absolutely. It wanna, is with bands. It is with everything. You don't want to call it that, but that's essentially what it comes down to. So, and that's, that's Sean Hoffman's, uh, you know, bio mm-hmm. in a nutshell. Absolutely. We're, we're going to play a song from you guys, your, your first record, which just came out. This came out last fall, last summer. When did this come out? It came out last September. Last mm-hmm. September. This is their first record. This is uh, Jupiter's Guide for Submariners, Lock and Key, and that's L-O-C-H, like the uh, Scottish word for lake absolutely correct and that's a cool name so when we come back we're going to hear all about Layla's background and we'll we'll have you guys play live in the studio and we'll continue our conversation here on Independence Day so this first track we're going to play Apis Mellifera which is a bee correct is that a honeybee yeah it's the European honeybee European honeybee not to be confused with the Africanized honeybee or the uh,
2: <laughs> I like them too but they're
0: angry
3: Sean's very into honeybees, yeah, I, like honeybees.
0: Yeah. I, like honeybees. I like honeybees too I like honeybees. They they represent like all things like organic to me. Oh, absolutely. So, and this is a track. Like I said, this is Epis Mellifera from Lock and Key on Independence Day.
4: You and I are honeybees sailing paper boats on a great big sea. We are dreamers. We don't quite fit. If our boat gets sweat, we'll go down with it. Cause there's so little time And you know it best.
0: Apis Mellifera from Lock and Key from Jupiter's Guide to Submariners which is their first disc it came out just this last fall in September so they say and it's fantastic it's uh it's a beautiful packaging it's kind of understated it's like what what would you call this kind of brown cardboardy stuff like undyed recycled recycled I think they material it chipboard or chipboard like but that. it but it's actually Raw. quite cool and you guys did like Uh, maybe now's the time to talk about it but art seems to be such a like a big factor in what you guys do like if you go to your website i probably stared at that first picture on your website on the splash page for like 35 minutes before i even clicked on any links and that's you right that's you you doing that
3: that's me i'm glad to hear that
0: (laughs) and what's what's i mean daft question but what is the medium of that is that like uh, charcoal pencil watercolor i mean i'm not i'm not much of a visual artist so enlighten me on what that is
3: that is actually watercolor and ink
0: very nice and it's beautiful I, I i can't and i can't say this enough folks out there and our our legion of fans and our listening audience should stop by lockandkey.net and that's l o c h and net, which is the website for the band and there's lots of beautiful artwork and as i understand it you have do you, do prints for like every song or like of as they come out or there's at least 3 or 4 i saw on the website
3: yeah, we're trying to do one for every song on the record, and then for the title of the record. Um, I haven't finished them all yet, though. But yeah. I will.
0: <laughs> and they're they're but they're super cool. I mean, it's like I don't even know what to even. I don't even know how to even describe it. I mean, it's like what's the little Nemo? It reminds me of like Little Nemo. Do you ever you ever heard of Little Nemo? The fish. No, no, not no. <laughs> this this goes much much farther back in time than than Finding Nemo or whatever that is. Uh, no, it's uh. This goes back to the 30s or the 20s, I think. It's like that Tom Petty video from "Running Down a Dream." You
2: talking about Nemo, like, uh, like uh, Jules Verne?
0: No, right? not no. There's, that's that's Captain Nemo. There's another one too. It's like a bedtime fantasy. of These little kids mm-hmm. and they're dreaming, and it's it, that's what your art is reminiscent of. Um, I have to look it up. And it's well, now maybe I've just ruined your whole. Well, now visual. I'm really
3: interested. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it's fantastic. I mean, stop by the website, everybody out there. And our in our legion of fans check out the lock and key website. Of course, all the usual stuff is there: shows, bio, press, that kind of stuff. But this artwork is fantastic. And are you are you selling prints of these? Are they commonly available?
3: Um, yeah, I have a, another website that's all things art, um, and I do. I have the originals, some of the originals, and then I do limited edition G Clay prints of all of them.
0: Uh-huh. And what what would one of those things cost? If, if one wanted to purchase something like that,
3: um, I think they start at one fifty. Yeah, um, and I can't remember the run that we that we're doing for them, um, but I think they start at one fifty.
0: Yeah, unframed. And they're they're fantastic. And well, how, how how large are they? Are they like mural size or are they?
3: Um, no, the one that's the main homepage is I would say the original. I think is actually like eighteen by twenty. Yeah, maybe. But some of them get really big.
0: And it's they're I, again they're fantastic. They're very very beautiful, and I, I think everyone should buy one. And I bet you think that too. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I do. <laughs> So now we talked, but right before that song, we talked about Sean's background in music and kind of what he does. What is, you know, how did you come to this point to be playing, to be playing music like this? Like what, what's your, what, what was the road that took you here?
3: Well, I got very lucky meeting Sean because he's super talented and I wouldn't be able to do it. Um, But I've always been singing, um, like my whole life from like choir, (laughs) like in Catholic school um, to plays and um I've always loved it, but I don't have an instrument that I play, so I don't write a lot of songs of my own. So I need to work with someone that's uh-huh. as amazing as Sean. What do you play piano. <laughs> I'm I'm playing piano. Yeah. What's
0: your What's your hometown?
3: I grew up in Williamsburg, Virginia.
0: Ah, uh, yes, East Coast.
3: Colonial Williamsburg.
0: So for you, so you're a W radio person, as am I. Yeah. And you're a K radio person. It's true. That's kind of like the the, the Mississippi is kind of the demarcation line between the W's and the K's. Like for me, I'm I'm native W. And we'll always – like for me, all radio stations and TV stations should always be W.
3: Yeah, I just did a – I designed like a medal for WHRO or like some radio station in my hometown.
0: Yeah. Cool. And, and now is – how much is music your gig these days? I mean, are you earning music – I'm sorry. Are you earning money primarily as an artist and a musician or are you picking up other random jobs? I mean, it's – I mean, when you're a musician sometimes, that line is very blurry as far as like how you're earning your income. Like what's what's your – are you – are you music? Are you art? Are you both? Are you um,
3: I, working the, at
0: Starbucks sometimes?
3: <laughs> the money is mostly art and freelance illustration um, and design projects. Um, the only music project that I'm working on right now is this one. Yeah. Sean.
0: Do you guys cohabitate as well?
2: No, we both have our own places, but we're yeah. often at the same one.
0: We maybe, spend a lot of time. Maybe together. that's why it works.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think, I think we're both also the kind of person that would rather be be being creative with our free time anyway. So since we're spending so much time together, like yeah. what better way to spend it than making something beautiful?
0: Yeah. And Sean, you, your studio is in your place, right? Yeah, it's actually in a converted garage. In what part of town? Is that? Echo Park? We're in, yeah, Echo Park. Leo lives downtown. Yeah. So you can make a pretty good amount of racket there. Your neighbor's, neighbor's pretty copacetic with the kind of stuff you yeah, do there. I mean, this is not, you know, you're not playing Judas Priest in this band.
2: No, but I do have some loud amps for other projects, and uh, I can get away with it. It's it's
0: sound-controlled. I can't say it's
2: 100% soundproof,
0: but it's enough that I can play guitar in the middle of the night and not bother anybody. Yeah. Are your neighbors, I mean, for what they do here? Because, I mean, I have very, very friendly neighbors, all the neighbors on Lafayette Street. I thank you again. I record an entire album there. I mean, feedback, like Neil Young feedback sometimes in the afternoons for hours. And my neighbors were great. I mean, they were fantastic.
2: Yeah, it's it's heavily insulated and uh double walled and all that so you, you, they don't really hear it it just sounds like if anything they kind of hear a hum outside yeah.
3: but we practice enough. in your living room and they're all pretty cool about it
2: yeah we don't you know we're respectful we yeah we're usually done by 10 people tend to like it you know like you said we're not it's not like heavy metal or anything coming out of there yeah although i'm pretty sure some people would
0: like that too yeah i'd enjoy that it's it's definitely a crap shoot you know when i when I, i've had lots of rehearsals in my living room and my upstairs neighbors, it's a family, and they seem very into it. They've never once complained. I mean, they, they say when we play, they open beers and sit out on the porch and listen. <laughs> and then my neighbors on the long side, my place is like a long, like a flat. And on the, the long side, I've got a, a family over there too. And they, like, every time we play, you know, when we stop, they come over and they're like, hey, can you guys keep playing? <laughs> <laughs> Which I guess is a good sign. Absolutely. Um, so so you, you put this project together, and that was, what, a couple of years ago? When Locking Crew yeah, started?
3: when we first started talking about it.
0: Yeah, I
2: guess we first started rec- recording in, like, uh, 2008 or 2009. Had the record done by 2010.
0: Yeah. And it allows, it allows you to, again, doing it at home allows you to work at your own pace. Like, you're your own project manager. We put deadlines, which I think
2: is a good thing for people to do. We put deadlines um, for it to be done. We, like, we, uh, we had a publicist, and he wanted to begin publicity in uh, fall, so we had a date. And it had to be wrapped by then. Yeah, and that was a good thing for us to finally get it done.
0: Did you send it away for mastering, or did you do it at home yourself?
2: That's the whole thing. This whole record was completely done at home. I don't always suggest everybody to do their own <laughs> mastering, but I was pretty happy with how it came out. And uh, it's all profit from that point. So all the all the sales that we've made has been nothing but profit. It's
0: been yeah, it's great. So how many of these? You know the cardboard ones, the ones that you drop off for me. Like how many of these? Did you, and this is like a handmade thing, right? This is like a stamped. Mm-hmm. How did you make the stamp for this? Like,
3: um, I designed it in ink, and then they have companies that you can submit your JPEG to, and then uh-huh. they they make the stamp for you.
0: Cool. So how much? This is, this is looks like one, two, three, f- four stamps, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. How, like so, and how much? Because I'm I'm imagining I'm comparing it to like sending my disc away to actually be replicated and have artwork done. Like how much is a stamp? Like 50 bucks a pop or?
3: I think it was less than that. I want to say that they were like 20 bucks or less. But this took a lot more time than we thought it was going to. Labor is certainly a part of the factor in that.
2: But the cool thing is that we can print up enough. Like we'll sell some at show. We just print up some to replace them. Although this record is a, what is it? A, is it a 250 or 500 run? I can't remember. 500 run. Yeah. The discs themselves. Because the discs were. We're not like doing were any relevant. more than that. We're just, that's it. Yeah. And uh, what ended up happening is a lot of people just bought the stuff off of iTunes, which uh-huh. was cool. But I, I would like to get physical copies in the hands of more people. We've probably sold about just like around 100 or so from sh- at shows. Yeah, but it would be nice to uh,
0: it'd be nice to get them out to the people, but they like the iTunes these days. They certainly do. I mean, I'm a tactile guy. You know, I'm 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 not a vinyl head, but I've been kind of like slowly getting into vinyl, like kind of by default because it's not that CDs are unromantic, which I guess they kind of are. But I even whether it's a CD or even a cassette or whatever it was, I like having something tactile where I pick it up off the shelf and I look at it and can hold it and put something onto a player that spins. You know, whether it's digital or analog. And CDs are, you know, they're going away. So it seems that, but vinyl is having this resurgence. So that's kind of like the only way that I'll be able to hold on to this. So any any talk of vinyl on your thing or just kind of sticking to what you're doing with the iTunes and the discs for now? Well, the, the problem with vinyl is, is, is I love it.
2: And uh, you have to have a band like super well rehearsed and go in and record the tape because you don't want to do a ton of editing on, on tape. You want to have a really, really cooking band. And a lot of this is... Is Layla and I and and a drummer and, and on the new record sometimes I'm even playing the drums so it's it just wouldn't work on tape um, not cost effective wise I love tape there's nothing better when you have a really great product and you can go in and just knock it out it's great but the budget you know yeah I'm not going to drop ten grand at a studio to go recording on tape so you know I've joined the future and I do have to say that HD recording sounds great. HD sounds really nice. What's
0: your format? Are your you Pro Tools? Is that what your format? No, is
2: actually, I'm a Steinberg guy. I've always okay. done. Uh, I've done Cubase since the 90s, and uh, it's it's a way. It's just the medium I work in. I know Pro Tools, and I had to use them all, but. I just like Cubase. I don't know. They,
0: they all ultimately do the same thing. It's just a, you know, absolutely. What kind of car do you want to drive across town? Really? And,
2: and really, the secret at the end of the day is not the software. It's all converters. That's all it is. Converters are even bigger than mic preamps. Yeah. In my opinion, I think that you'll you'll see a lot of people agree with me. You should pay a lot for your converters. Okay. So, what's your converter of choice? Well, I can't. This
0: is this is I, by the way. This is Uber Geek stuff right now. By the way.
2: Well, I use the Apogee Rosettas, and uh, that's like that's kind of like that's what most folks use on on big records i'd say it's the most common it's not necessarily uh i can't say it's not not the best but there are some converters that people really really swear by that are very expensive i'm talking $5000 a channel i mean yeah. just unbelievable yeah. i really think if you get the if you get the apogees you're in the, you're in the ball game even if you get the little duet the little two channel one yeah that will you can make a record that sounds incredible at home
0: That was something I I did with my I'm a Pro Tools guy at home and I just I didn't have a ton to spend but I got a lucid like a two-channel lucid converter, which is ostensibly better than whatever came in the box itself, and you know we we would we stuff and we definitely noticed a difference. So I think there's credence to what you're saying, definitely. Oh, absolutely! It's the clocking, you know. The clocking just makes it just makes it come into focus a
2: little more. It's
0: just yeah. So let's let's veer out of Uber mm-hmm. Geek World because I mean, digital Geek World is even geekier than analog Geek World oh, because yeah, it's you know <laughs> <laughs> you know Layla, are, are you following any of this, Layla? I mean, I
3: was th- thinking other thoughts in my head while yeah. you guys were talking
0: about. Oh, that. I, I like broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> She does. She unicorns, rainbows unicorns and <laughs> rainbows. So let's play another track from your record, and we come back, we guys will have you play live and we'll have you play live in the studio. You've got a beautiful old amplifier and a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful old guitar. So I'm very much looking forward to having you guys play some live stuff in the studio, but I want to play one more track from Jupiter's Guide for Submariners. And this is the track, the very long-winded long track, The Boy with an Apple Where His Heart Should Be. And this is from their album, Jupiter's Guide to Submariners, on Independence Day. My name is Joe Armstrong, and this is Lock and Key. Good evening. My name is Joe Armstrong. You are listening to Independence Day on Lancer Radio, broadcasting from the campus of Pasadena City College in beautiful Pasadena, California. The weather could not be better today. I think June gloom kind of uh, buggered off for a little while. I was getting kind of tired. I I know the whole Loudon Wainwright gray in L.A. thing. I like it, too. But, man, I've been dying for some sunshine. And we got some today. So we've got live in the studio here with us today. This is lock and Key, and we're going to get back to them in here in just a second, but I want to drop a little bit of shameless promotion on everybody. Uh, yours truly will be hosting an event called Jam and Banter with the band Leftover Cuties. That's going to be at KPCC's Crawford Family Forum, which is our Big Daddy Mama radio station compared to what we are here in Gorilla Radio Land. That's 474 South Raymond. That is Thursday, the 21st of July at 7.30 p.m. We're going to have some music industry guests come in, talk about the state of the music business, talk about the future of the music business, where it might be going. Leftover Cuties will play some songs for you, and we all hope that it will be a wonderful, wonderful time. Their new record just came out just a couple weeks back, by the way, places to go. Check them out, leftovercuties.com, I believe. And that... Well, the song right there we just heard was The Boy with an Apple Where His Heart Should Be by Lock and Key. We've got the heart of this band, the duo. We've got Sean and Layla in the studio with us. Welcome again, Sean and Layla. Thank you. <laughs> Nothing. Hello. Crickets. Again, it's wonderful to have you guys. And you guys have got some, got some instruments here. You've got a great old guitar and a great old amplifier. Why don't you play us a track? Why don't you give us a live version of something from this record? Tell us what we're going to hear and then play us some beautiful music.
3: Are uh, we going to do Mount Washington?
0: That sounds good to me. So this is Lock and Key on Independence Day.
4: There's a place It's not very far It's LA, and it is true When I say it's a magical place There's trees all around around. And the gangsters, they don't wear a frown Close your eyes, it's only a dream your
0: Octawan, and Sean Hoffman here on Independence Day. That was beautiful. That is the song Mount Washington from their debut record, Jupiter's Guide to Submariners, which came out just this last September. And you talked before like you were working on a new record. You said uh, you're pretty a good ways into doing this new record. How far along are you? Uh, I
2: think we're going to have it done by September. Okay. Um, there's a bunch of songs in various states, but I'm going to start cooking over the summer. We're not playing any shows until August. We've been taking some time off just to concentrate on the material. And uh, as you, if you hear the record, the first record, um, you'll know that we're kind of adventurous, and
0: and it's going to get even more adventurous on this next record. Yeah, if you were to if you were to go and like do a sampling from that first record, I've been listening to it since you dropped that copy off of my place over the weekend, and you know you've got some you know breathy folky pop stuff. You know I see where almost like the euro influence kind of comes in lots of major seventh chords. And, uh, you know, it's, it's very, very accessible. It's very, very poppy, very catchy, kind of entrancing. And then there's a few songs kind of like that. And there's some little more experimental ones. There's some found like, ec- you know, like dogs barking and there's like neighborhood sounds, you know, gnat sound as we call it in the mu- in the, in the radio business. And, uh, but then you've got, you know, you've got like a song you're going to, I think you're going to play us a kind of a twangier song here coming up in a few minutes or, you know, maybe we'll get to that. You know, and that's, you know, it kind of flirts with that sound, that sound that's very, very popular in that, this part of, you know, L.A. where I live and where you live. It's kind of a up-tempo, two-step twangy rock thing which is very close to my heart but then you've got some stuff that's noisy i mean there's some i wouldn't go so far as to say screaming guitar but there's some pretty ripping guitar in some of these tracks in this record so people you know people need to have you know big ears to, to take this all in i think
2: there's definitely a, a few left turns where it all of a sudden just goes into some yeah. some chaos and uh and voody from uh, american music club and swans he uh, he joined me on some of that he's a good buddy of mine and we just Just went nuts at the end of a song, let all the feedback go and let the amp scream. And it was really fun. It's funny because it comes out of nowhere. It's just this little pleasant song, and out of nowhere, we just kick into this B section where we go nuts. And I like that.
0: Yeah, and I I like doing, you know, I like kind of asking a little more from your listener. You know, it would be easy enough to do, you know, um, a whole record of breezy pop songs like that, kind of Carpenter sounding stuff. And it's fantastic. You know, it'd be fine if it it, was just like that. But it's nice to kind of ask your listener to kind of come into your world a little bit farther and serve up some other things that are, you know, because no human being is all one thing all the time. What made Tony Soprano so great is that you love to hate him and you hated to love him. And it was all at the same time. You know, you like, it was a movie where, you know, movies where you like the bad guy more than the good guy. And, you know, I'm going to carry this metaphor as, metaphor as far as <laughs> I can go. but. You know, with with this album, you know, you're asking your listeners to come along a little bit, I think that's really, really fantastic. And I'm very curious to see what the new record sounds like. And of course, if you guys would love to come, if you'd like to come back, we know when the new record comes out, I'd love to have you back. Oh, absolutely, to, we'd, you know, we'd love to uh, to debut it with you. So tell me a little bit more. You know, I, I took a list. I know some of the names You know, on the on the record. You know, it looks like you had four different drummers over the course of the project. Well, I, I just didn't want to overburden
2: anybody. We didn't have the band put together yet, so we didn't uh-huh. know who was going to do what. So I just split it among my friends. And, uh, like, for instance, we have on there, we have Joey Galvan, who mm-hmm. is our current drummer, mm-hmm. and uh, Derek Brown, who is out with Eels right now. Uh-huh. And uh, Brian Irwin, who's a producer around the Echo Park scene, he's played with a million different bands. I think he's going out with the Conaline Crush this summer. Uh-huh. And and, Steve. Uh, and then Steve Ditullo, who was drumming for uh, American Music Club, we also we have a band together called the Larks, and he's just a he's a multi instrumentalist, really really good singer also.
3: And he plays guitar with the, the band. Yeah, he plays
2: guitar okay. with us. He's a member of the band. But so, you
3: tailored that, you picked them specifically for the drum songs that they did. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah they just different people for different yeah. songs that that just and it's cohesive you know i mean i think you've got a deft enough hand as a producer to kind of wrangle all this and make it sound cohesive and i, I think it all works very very well
2: i tuned the drum kit you know it's my drum kit we used all the drum yeah. all my drums and they would bring in their cymbals and switch out their snares but
0: yeah i'm a little bit I'm a little anal about that well you're a stuff. producer man that's what that's, <laughs> what that's what that's what you make the big bucks for right yeah. is to make everything sound cohesive and good so yeah, tell but, me, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just say? say
2: we were really lucky to have all these people involved, and they were, it was really cool of them. And it's we're we're lucky to have the band that we have. It's just, yeah.
0: So so you've settled on a kind of a live lineup now. You yes. know? So tell me tell me a little bit about who that who, who makes that arrangement, like who makes up that uh, lineup. Well, we have Mark Lane who uh, plays bass with us, and uh, we have
2: uh, Steve as Steve Didillo, who we mentioned earlier. Who is he played drums on the record, but he plays guitar for us. And we also have uh, Joey Galvan, who plays drums, who played some drums on the record. And we'll be playing a lot of drums on the next record. So we're just really lucky to have those
0: guys. Mm-hmm.
3: And I'm starting to play my keyboard.
0: Awesome. Forgot about that. Yeah. Layla, playing the keyboard. That. Yeah, <laughs> you can chime in at any time. I mean, I'm kind of talking about producing, but you are very much involved in this whole thing. I'd love to hear from your, you know, your perspective on this stuff, too.
3: Oh, Thanks. You guys are doing such a great job, though. <laughs> I'm, like, enjoying listening to you.
0: Well, well, it's, it's not, well, thank you. I, I we certainly appreciate it. Well, I speaking on behalf of myself and hopefully Sean. We well, thank you for that, but you know we want we want you know we want everybody to be involved. Um so you've got the you know, you've got no well you when you going you're going into the studio you've been in the studio because it's your own studio. Mm-hmm. Um are you pretty much sticking with that live that live lineup? I mean is that kind of like the core of the band now or are you just kind of calling them in as needed, you know, what's the arrangement?
2: Kind of calling them in as needed because I, I constantly am editing the songs and changing ideas. I'm a real big arrangement person. And, uh, the difference, uh, the, the, the thing that I'm doing different on this record is really getting into the production. I kinda, I kinda went Prince on the last record. I just threw a microphone in front of an amp and be like, okay, got it. Nowadays I'm actually sitting around and, and really trying to get sounds. It's just, it's a, it's a very different project and we're bringing people in as needed but we don't have a bunch of folks just sit around a room and jam these tunes out. It, yeah. it just, it just doesn't work like that for me. I'm a, I'm a bit of a, of a Brian Wilson kind of person where I just need to work all these things out and constantly, yeah, edit and, yeah,
0: and the result is great. And we talked before. You um, about some national distribution, maybe a, big, a bigger, bigger, well, bigger net for the next record.
2: We're talking about doing a, a, a nationwide release. Last time we did uh, just a local release with a. Um, with a public system, we're going to do one that's national. We're going to go visit people. We made some, there's a lot of people that listen to shows such as this that we have been on and they'd buy our records and wonder when we are going to come to Minnesota or when we were right. going to come to all these different places where these shows would play. And it's like, well, not just yet. Give us a little time. We're just trying to get our feet under ourselves. So I think this fall, we're going to try to go around and visit the different people and yeah. hit, hit the major cities in America and go play and see. So will you happened. go out as a duo then? We're going to go out as a duo with gadgets. We're going to have some gadgets okay. and we'll probably be doing like some the occasional festival with the full band where we can afford to take everybody with us. But that's part of it is. You can't afford to take, you know, full grown people
0: with yeah. you. They have lives, they have houses they right. have to pay for. Right. So. And there's, I mean, that's the cool thing about being in this scene in LA. It's, there's so much cross-pollinization between the different bands. It's like, you know, once you kind of get, get into this circle, you know so many great players. It's like, if player A can't do it, you're probably friends with player B through H and Absolutely. they all know the material. Like, I mean, there's, there's probably been shows at Tex where like any number of like, even my own band, like any number one of like 20 different people who could probably roll up and just kind of sit in and make it sound pretty close. You know, it's a very tight knit circle. Absolutely, and, and, and it's kind of expansive. You know, you've got so many just characters, and they're all they're such such good music happening in Los Angeles right now. Oh, we're,
2: we're 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 very lucky. Los Angeles is it's it's not only an awesome town; it's just a really really great scene. And you know, I, I there is no other place in America like this. The scene is incredible. A lot of very creative people, a lot of really talented people. I think the the level of talent is shocking. Even when you're yeah. at a place like Tex, you'll see someone come out and blow your mind. You know, yes. Yeah. So Layla,
0: say something, anything. <laughs> I, <laughs> I want to get you involved, but I, you know, he, mm-hmm. he's, like, he's, he's producing. So it's like, I don't, I don't know what to, I'm, I'm not doing, I'm not doing a very good job at involving <laughs> you in the conversation. I'm
3: completely okay with, with that. If that's, unless it's bothering you. Know, you. This I'm is a,
0: <laughs> this is a perfect jumping off point actually for this, this set of questions as the, the music that you're writing. Um, do you two write together as a duo? Do you come up with something and take it to him? Because you said before you don't play a lot of instruments, or does he bring something to you? Like, what's, what's your writing arrangement like?
3: Um, I would say for most of the stuff, he comes up with a melody and then plays it. And then one of us or both of us will come up with lyrics that fit Uh it. Um, sometimes like now I have an idea for a song and I have a vocal melody that's clear to me. Um, and then I can present it to him and he can build a song around it. But I think... You're much more comfortable writing the melody. Like you hear the melody, and then it comes out of you, and then the lyrics tend to float on top of it.
2: I agree. What he, what she said. <laughs>
1: yeah. What she said. <laughs>
2: yeah, we have, we have a good system down. We have a good system down. And she wants to. She wrote lyrics for uh, for three of the songs on the previous record, mm-hmm. and we're trying to get her more involved on this one. With uh, I've
1: got four
3: on writing. this one. I love writing lyrics, uh-huh. so it's it's nice when he, he gives me something that they'll fit with.
0: Yeah. So would you say, you know, I'm I'm looking at this, like the first record here, like I, I guess I didn't pay attention that much. Are they, is it's a co-writing credit on everything? Is that how you guys do it? Is it kind of like Lennon, the Lennon McCartney thing, or I mean, this isn't like for, like, well, no. this isn't for territory purposes, but I'm just talking about yeah. like if you were to credit, like, would you say that everything is co-written or?
2: Well, this is how it goes. I'll, this is a good way to explain the business. Maybe to some folks that are wondering, I, uh, Layla and I split the publishing 50-50. That means like the soul, the actual song, the ownership of the song, we split 50-50. I give writing and I always found this to be interesting. I give writing where writing is due, like if someone wrote something, they should be given that that piece. So that that's what's interesting to me. I don't some people use writing as a bargaining chip where people who actually didn't write will be on the writing. It's just a way of getting people paid but right. i I do that I'd rather do that with the publishing, and I know that a lot of people would disagree with that' cause, uh that's you know that's when you actually get to ownership of the song and if you don't have a uh lion's share of the ownership, then you can have other people gang up on you and do stuff to right. your music
0: It can but, become very contentious when the money when like money starts being involved
2: but you got to be trustful i mean like the the last band I was in made money, and you know what we all split it and it was even and it uh it made things really fair
0: you know yeah. I know that uh, U2, for example, I, as, as, as I understand it, splits their everything four ways evenly. Mm-hmm. And I imagine it's The Edge who writes probably – 94% of the, the music itself.
2: Well, you figure that lyrics are actually uh, considered 50%, believe it or not. Right. Yeah, so it's 50-50. So I'm pretty sure Bono's right in right. most lyrics. Well, no, Maybe no. not.
0: Well, I mean, I'm, not, I'm saying, but I'm talking like the, the bed that everything is built on. Mm-hmm. And I'm not banging on anybody here. I think they're all fantastic. And I think it's cool that they share their royalties. And I'm not saying that nobody's contributing any less. But, you know, he's a, he's a soundscape guy. Mm-hmm. You know, all those things that he comes up with, that's like the edge. And then they all add their bit, and that becomes you too, and that's fantastic. And then Bono does this thing on top of it. I'm sure he writes ninety percent of the lyrics, probably more. But I like the way, like you said, they split it because it makes it a more equitable situation artistically, and they just don't have to think about it anymore.
2: Well, you got to give a reason to a person
0: to want to play with you, right? Yeah. And I know I don't know the machinations. Counting Crows does something similar as well because you know they've had some turnover in terms of their lineup, but and Adam Duritz writes the lion's share of the music, but he's, he sh- he splits out the publishing with the band as well. Um, and I, I think it's a cool way to operate. You know, if there's money, it, like you said, it makes them feel invested uh, both emotionally and financially because, you know, once you get paid for something, then it's a lot easier to be emotionally invested in <laughs> something. Too. No,
2: absolutely, absolutely. And we've always, we split all the money that we've made from shows and all that. We split, uh, that, evenly. We split that evenly. And whenever, if you're out on the road with us, if you're doing like a, a festival, you know, that's out of town, everything's split evenly, including merchandise. I'm very fair in that area. I, I just, I know what it's like being the guy just playing guitar or the guy just playing bass and not having any say and you're frustrated and you're going to quit the band.
0: Yeah. Know? And yeah, I've, I've left bands. I mean, it wasn't a lot. I mean, it, it, I won't say it was over money, there were other things involved too. But like for me, that was like a final straw. Like we had gone up the coast to play a show somewhere and I was, I was seeing that CDs were being sold and, you know, and I didn't see a cent out of it. And, it, you know, it's it's not like I felt entitled to anything at all, but for all the time and effort I had put into things, and that's a kind of a way of validation. It's a way of validating the people in your band. It's like it's nice to say, hey, great show. It sounded great, blah, 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 blah. Your tone sounds nice. But, like, if you're going around doing stuff and spending money and driving around spending time, there's other things I do in my world. It would be nice to see just a little bit of something, you know, If he, or even, you know, he if he kept you – know, this this writer, if he kept all the songwriting royalties or this, the CD sales – Fine. But there was other money that exchanged hands, and I saw none of it.
2: Yeah, I, I completely understand, and I, I completely agree with that. Um, I guess the way we do with, with this band is when we – if we became an entity that went around and made money for everybody and everybody in the band was getting paid, then I would start splitting record stuff, everything. Because you would – the, you'd want to give them incentive to stay in your band, you right. know, and be a part of
1: it. Right. At
2: this point, we we uh, we pay everybody for an, you know anytime we make money doing any sort of function that they're involved in, they get paid for, and uh, it's worked out great. I, I just I think you have to respect people. You just got it, it. You're you become a general, you know, and they look up to you if you treat them well, and they're willing to right. to go along with your project because right.
0: you know. You're the leader of that project. And here we go with another metaphor. But like yeah. music in some ways can be a battle. And like you want these people to follow you into this battle. Because it's hard, you know, out, out there among the English. <laughs> yeah. Layla, what do you think? Say, what, what do you think about this?
3: I never thought of myself as following General Sean. but no, no you're, you're, <laughs> you're co-general. Oh, okay. I need to take my, my job more seriously. Well, you know, at the
2: end of the day, it's our shtick, right? I mean, these people are playing with us. And we're lucky to have them, so we want to treat them well and treat I, them with respect. So in a way, we're kind of the followers. We're, 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 we're making it nice for you're them. You're
0: facilitating. Yeah,
4: yeah, and facilitating.
3: we're totally grateful for them, um, for the guys that play with us. And I am 100% believe in showing, like, complete appreciation. I mean... I'm not any, I mean, money is wonderful, but I would never, you know, and they're such good friends of ours that I want right. them to be excited and I want them to love playing with us. Right.
0: Well, as, as you went, went over the band uh, lineup before, I mean that I counted three Lark's members. Oh yeah. So it's, <laughs> you know, again, like the circle just turns in on itself once again. And uh, it's, it's just all that same pollen, cross-pollinization of the same scene. Based and and on when people North.
2: see the band, they're always like, man, these guys are amazing. And I, and I just say, you know, it's, it's sweat equity. I've, put out I've played in a lot of bands and I've played yeah. a lot of shows and I met these guys and you know they have my back and I have theirs
0: and yeah. we're lucky to have them and you know. yeah cool yay music Good story yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right So more speaking of yay music how about some more music you guys play a song for us here absolutely
3: <clears throat> which one you want to do you,
0: okay this is a personal favorite of mine by the way dig it oh, thank you so this is lock and key on independence day my name is Joe Armstrong and this is Layla, and Sean.
4: to fall Maybe We'll go to Istanbul See where your eyes come from Sail across the sea Further past Sicily To the birth of civilization sun, the rising sun, there's so many things I want to do, but I just don't care. Maybe We'll go to Portugal Where the mosquito is number one Sail across the sea Forget about Sicily We'll get there eventually the rising sun, baby, will chase the rising sun. Baby, let's chase the rising
1: sun. Ooh.
0: Lock and key. On Independence Day, and that is Sean and Layla. That's beautiful. Thank, Thank you. you. I almost want you guys to play it again. <laughs> <laughs> that's really, really, really great. So, so like, was this a seed that you came up with, Sean, when like, tinkering on the guitar and then played it for her? Like, I mean, I, like a song like that. I mean, that's, I mean, that's that song. That's a song that's destined to go somewhere. You know, <laughs> I'm not sure that you want to be on like car commercials or coffee commercials, but like that's the kind of stuff you could like take to the bank. Yeah, I mean.
2: If you're, if you're listening, Illy Coffee, we are we would love to have you.
3: Turkish Airlines. Yeah, Turkish, Turkish Airlines. Air right. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, I, you know, that that song was really, it, it wasn't written on the trip. It was written actually when we came back. I think it was just dreams of getting back over to Spain. Really, it's all about Spain, people. <laughs> really, it's yeah. Spain and Portugal.
0: You know who's got a big thing in Spain is the Jayhawks. I believe Are it. you a Jayhawks fan at all? I, I know a little bit about them. You know, I'm, Gary Louris, see... Mark Olson, those guys. I know that I I just I know the names and I've
2: I've heard the music over the years but I don't own their records.
0: Yeah, for I mean for they, you know, they're from Minneapolis. They had like a core lineup, They're two main guys like a Lennon McCartney kind of situation and in 95 or so uh, one of the guys left. And they re- remained friendly, but he'd left the band and Gary Lewis took over and played for the next s- several years with the band. And they've the past maybe 5 years or so they've kind of kind of reconvened. But during that period when it was Jayhawks led by Gary Lewis, like they just wouldn't play very often. And you know, you'd go on their website and they just wouldn't, they wouldn't play anywhere for six months, but they'd play like two shows in Spain. And I, the way I understand it, like people that go there and people are throwing babies. They're going bananas because they just, they love it so much over there. Well, you know, Spain is one of those places where the whole
2: town comes out to see the band. And I don't even know oh, what they, a dream. They don't even know who you are most of the time.
0: I'll be honest. That's a, that is a beautiful thing. That is something that they is just love it. I, I'm, I'm going to indict. That's something that's wrong with our culture. <laughs> you know, I'm, We're spoiled. We're lucky. Yeah.
2: Because uh, a lot of the bands over there were uh, kind of, uh, this is not going to be popular, but they're kind of bad imitations of what we do. Yeah. And uh, they're just hungry for it. They're just, you know, and thank God for it, because it's just beautiful over there, and I love them, and they're just great people. Yeah,
0: A lot of countries are like that, but the Spaniards really, they just, they yeah. love our stuff. <laughs> it sounds like a gag to say that you're big in Belgium or whatever, but, you know, that's legitimate. Josh, you know who Josh Ritter is as well? Yeah, as I know Josh Center. Ritter is. You know, I've, I've, Josh is the nicest guy in the entire universe, if you've ever met that guy. He, I mean, and I, I say that without hyperbole. Um, And he, from Idaho of all places, started playing around. Moved to New York for a little while. But then, like, for some reason, he wound up in Ireland. And, again, people just went crazy for him over there. You know, it's a Bob Dylan folky guitar kind of thing by himself. He's got a band now. He has for years. Um, This plays under his name. But they love him in Ireland for whatever reason. Like, he'd go back to New York and, you know, he'd be one of 10,000 songwriters trying to play in the West Village. But then he'd hop on a plane and tour around Ireland and come home with, like, you know, I imagined it being like 40 grand. I don't know, but like he played these huge shows over there. Yeah, and he, you make money. Yeah. yeah.
2: You make money over there. And England is a great place uh, for Americans to play because they understand what we're
0: saying, which is a big part <laughs> right, of it. Right. And it's a lot easier to like get a, you know, get kebabs after the show too. Oh, absolutely. You, can just, you don't have to point at the menu. <laughs> Mark Eitzel was really huge in uh, the UK
2: mm-hmm. and he could, he could live there if he chose and just tour around and make a really great living. Yeah. And, uh, they they're also hungry and for music and also great great folks they have their own great music also but they just right. i don't know people are music hungry over there you know the Scandinavia with people come out like crazy um i think for certain types of music uh, all the countries are great it's a little tough in in, in places like Italy and Greece you know there's yeah. not there's it's a little more uh like party music driven you know a little, right. a little more dj driven but they're, they're excitable
0: cultures down there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the it's Brits. beautiful. The Brits are more, more even keeled. Uh, and you know, I mean, I've toured through those places too. and uh, you know, Or in Japan, like the weirdest thing was playing Japan. Because, you know, there's that, there's that Van Halen bootleg from the 70s where you hear the guy. You, this is a famous bootleg where you hear the guy in the audience. Like, Dave's on. he's like, you know, everybody, everybody, you know, jump up on your chairs and say hello or you say whatever. And you hear this guy go, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cute. <laughs> and it's, but like when I, you know, when I've toured through Japan, like there, it's, 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 it's a very delineated culture, like a class oriented culture. And people go to shows and like, they don't cut loose, you know, like they do. Like, I imagine like you could go to a roadhouse in Arkansas on Saturday night, you know, and there's a reason there's chicken wire in front of the, in front of the <laughs> stage, but you know, and then different parts of the States, they let loose. And in, in England, they, they kind of do, but kind of don't. Um, but then in in like I imagine like cultures like you said like Italy, Greece where like their life in some ways is kind of like a party maybe the music might not yeah it's just it just doesn't seem to go hand in hand yeah oil and water (laughs) so another song perhaps play another something else for before we run out of time here we've got I'd love to hear something else for you guys
3: The Devil's Backbone
0: you ready?
4: Espinosa claim this God's land With golden in mind and crucifix in hand Jesus wouldn't grant his demands A fool like you with blood-soaked hands Deserves to roam The devil's backbone, you're gonna find things you don't wanna know Comanche eyes, arrows and bows, kind of place you should not go in the devil is never what he seems. If you go down to the devil's backbone, you find how far you are from home Patchy knives, sun bleached bones, try to go on, but your horse won't go in the devil is never what he seems. Espinosa claims this god's layout a fix in hand Jesus wouldn't grant His demands a Fool like you, blood-soaked answers To roam this lonesome land Don't go down to the devil's backbone Unless you want to see where bad men go Confederate boys looking for gold Lost themselves on this endless road And the devil is never what he sees The devil's backbone You planted seeds You don't want sown Native tears Unpaid loans Fool's gold And evil wrongs And the devil Is never what he seems devil is never what he seems Espinosa claimed this God's land Golden to mine and crucifix in hand Jesus wouldn't grant his demand Let's hope to answer this lonesome land.
0: Devil's Backbone from Lock and Key. Couldn't be happier to have had you guys here tonight. It was absolutely wonderful. It was an honor to have you. Thank you for coming and sharing your musical gifts with me and with our listening audience. Thanks, Thanks for having us, having us Joe. Joe. And like I said, I will extend the invitation now when this new record is done. This, you're thinking maybe by fall this something might see the light we'll of day? By
2: fall, maybe we'll bring the boys with us next
0: I time. I would love to have those guys along. And we've had lots of full, full bands in here, and I mean, I'm, I would be very, very curious to see them. I mean, the duo sounds fantastic, of course. I would also be very curious to see how it sounds you know, a little more fleshed out with some other, uh, other instrumentation. So, again, you guys uh, out there, you can learn about Lock and Key. Uh, they're kind of on a little bit of on a show hiatus, but they're playing at the Echo, which is in Echo Park, on August the 9th. You said it's about 10.30 show? Yeah. 10.30. 10.30 at the Echo. Do you know who else is on the bill? Do you have any idea? Or is it probably too far it's out? It's the IPO festival. Oh, that's right. Um,
2: so, I don't remember who else is on the bill, but it's going to be 10.30 sharp. They, uh, yeah. they stick to it.
0: You know, I, I, I actually, I kind of like that. You know, when people, when people do what they Why say not? they're going to do. Yeah. <laughs> Why not be professional about it? Right? I know, unbelievable. It's showbiz. I've said forever, like, one of the reasons I'm actually not successful in music is I'm the only guy who shows up when I say <laughs> when and where I will show up. And then, you know, people don't know how to take that. You know, I show up early and I have to wind up sitting around for three hours. You're
2: like, man, that guy's weird. He was yeah. here on time. He was here on time. He knew <laughs> his stuff. I can't stand him.
0: I know. <laughs> Get rid of him. Get rid of him. Again, Lock and Key. And this is uh, Sean and Layla from Lock and Key. Thank you again, guys.
1: Thank you for
2: Thanks having us. Thanks
1: again for having us.
0: My pleasure. And you can find out about Lock and Key, lockandkey.net, L-O-C-H, like the Scottish Lake. Also, Facebook.com, Lock and Key. MySpace.com, Lock and Key. Mm-hmm. Your guys are on iTunes selling sell your tune music there. You're on Twitter.com slash Lock and Key. And also, you'll be, you sell music at shows, correct? Uh-huh. so Okay, so again, thank you guys very much. I do appreciate it. Uh, Next week on Independence Day, Calexico drummer and co-founder John Convertino talks about being in one of the coolest bands in the world and scoring the new documentary film about a hundred-year-old Mexican circus, Circo. Thanks again to Lock and Key. Also to excuse me. Thanks to Lock and Key. Also to the Independence Day staff, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, Valentino Rivera, engineers Jesse Lopez, and Victor from Lancer Radio for Independence Day. I'm Joe Armstrong. Be good to one another.